Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And welcome to Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast that is taking time to talk about Star Trek Picard. I am your hostess with the mostest, Captain Sabriel Mastin. And today I am joined once again by Chief Archivist of the Federation Archives, Amanda. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. I just listened to most of last week's episode. I didn't get to finish it. And you were amazing. Thank you. I was so excited that Ken asked me, and then I really wanted to do it again. So when you asked me, I was 100% on board, as it were. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, so today we are talking about episode three of season one, The End is the Beginning. Oh. Interesting title. Yeah. And uh, hmm, we'll talk about that maybe in a bit. Uh, but first, our super really quick recap, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I was looking through, I wrote my bullet points, like, this is not super quick, but... <laughs> I will try. <laughs> oh, a lot uh, happened. Yeah, it did. It did. Okay, so we in the beginning, which is the end. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we the beginning, the, it's the real beginning. Like, yeah. we get a flashback. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so we see 14 years ago when Picard, the day Picard went all in to try to force Starfleet to help the Romulans. He said, help them or I will resign. And they're like... And they called his bluff, and he lost his job. Uh, the move also helped Lieutenant Commander Rafi, Rafi uh, her career, go down in a downward spiral as well. Uh, she alluded that she was getting fired, but we'll come, come to that in a bit. Yeah. Uh, cut back to the present day. Rafi unloads 14 years of rage on Picard for his complete absence in her life since the day he resigned. He convinces her to help him by telling her her conspiracy theories about Romulans on Earth are true. She, I have my cat yelling at me (laughs) as I do this. Uh, She does some research on Bruce Maddox and discovers that he is at a place called Free Cloud. We don't know what that is yet. We'll get back to that. Back at the Daystrom Institute, uh, Director of Starfleet Security Commander O in sunglasses asks Dr. Girardi some questions off camera about Picard's visits. We are introduced to Captain Rios, who has a ship of his own, and will soon be pilot for Picard's mission. Back on the Romulan queue, we see Hugh, the Borg rescued back in Next Generation, who later joined Data's brother Lore after being severed from the Collective due to his individuality. individuality. So many syllables. Hugh is working on the Reclamation Project and grants Soji an opportunity to speak with a former Borg Romulan. Back at the Chateau... Back at the Chateau, Picard is making preparations to leave when he and his Romulan friends are attacked by Romulan agents like the ones we saw in the first episode. Almost to the end, both the Romulan <laughs> agent <laughs> both the Romulan agent at the Chateau and the former Borg Romulan on the cube refer to Soji as the Destroyer. Yes. Narek and his sister the Spy almost make out after he tells Soji he's falling in love with her. <laughs> Dr. Girardi joins the crew. And Picard says, engage. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a lot. How did you, what were your thoughts walking away from this episode about the episode? Um, so I think this episode was 
every episode so far has done a lot. And I've been really impressed by how well each episode has balanced doing character development and plot development. And this is something that I I think this show is doing amazingly, is telling us a lot about the characters in a very small amount of time. Because we have a lot of people in this show so far that we've never met before. We know Picard. And we know we've met Hugh before. But almost everyone else in this show so far is a new character. Rafi's a yeah. new character. Laris and Jaban are new characters. Even the dog is a new character. And yet I feel like I know so much, not necessarily about their histories, but I know who they are. I know some of their motivations. Even if I don't know the specifics of their mo- motivations, I know what sort of drives them to an extent. And I yeah, think this, Oh no, continue. I said this, they've done something way better in three episodes than discovery did in a, an entire season, season one. I was just I know, saying that last uh, night. <laughs> I know the characters by name, three episodes into Picard when I still don't know if I could tell you all the crew member or bridge crew of discovery in two seasons. I, I've been catching up on discovery. Um, a couple of episodes, we're about like five episodes into season two of discovery right now. And I am just learning the rest of the bridge crew's names. And I was, was... I I was mentioning this the other night. Um, My husband and I watch Picard with my parents and my parents got me into Star Trek. So this has been a wonderful opportunity to dive back in with them. And I mentioned how wonderfully this is introducing me to each person and telling me so much about them in a way that Discovery just didn't do. And I'm loving Discovery. I'm really enjoying it. But I don't know anything about Detmer. I don't yeah. know anything about Oo. I don't know anything about any of the characters on the bridge crew except for Burnham, Tilly, and Pike, basically, and Saru. But that's it. Yeah. The bridge crew, I don't, I don't know them. And I want uh, to because they're re- they seem like really interesting characters, and I, I am assuming that they all have characters, but you know so little about them because the way Discovery has been working, it's all plot all the time. And so there's no chance to really get to know anyone who's not directly involved in the plot. Yeah, and part of that is intentional. It was, it was sold as a show that's about Michael Burnham. Right. But still, it's so against what we've known about Star or Star Trek shows, where well, maybe Enterprise is the exception, where we get to know the crew. I mean, even Enterprise, we get to know even the crew, Enterprise, but I, they just don't get any screen time. Uh, no, I mean Enterprise, you do know the bridge crew. You may not yeah. know every single person on that ship, but you Reed gets an episode, Trip gets some episodes. Paul gets a bunch of episodes. <laughs> um, everyone, Hoshi gets episodes. Everyone of the main crew on Enterprise, because one of my best friends convinced me to watch Enterprise. I had been very turned off by the theme song, which I could now sing <laughs> from memory. Um, and I, I've gotten really into it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm almost done with the, the whole series. I'm at the Mirrorverse episodes uh, in season four. So I'm, I'm at the end. You're so and close. I'm so close. And I've watched the Mirror episodes uh, because both 
my friend and I are super into the Terran Empire universe and the whole mirror mirror stuff. Um, we we love the idea of it. Uh, it's just fascinating to explore an alternate universe. I've always loved alternate universe type stuff in any media, so I love that. Yeah, so, that's why yeah. I write copy shop at use. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how can I take this thing and transpose it into another place and have it make sense? Yes. How can I twist one decision or one historical point and where does that ripple into? So I love that. So I've already watched those episodes because they're kind of capsule episodes. Um, but Enterprise really does. You get to know the characters. Phlox gets two episodes that are basically just him writing to his friend. Yeah, I love it. Dr. Lucas yeah. episodes. And you finally meet Dr. Lucas. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> really I'm glad, glad they brought that around. It. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, to see that on Picard again yeah. is really nice. It is. It's wonderful. I love it. All right. So right off the bat, the 14 years ago scene. Yeah. I, for me, that fell, like 90% fell flat. To me, I wrote down in my notes, uh, basically the scene felt like they were in a Werther's commercial. <laughs> as you long, it did, it did have a, a certain golden glow to it, didn't it? Yeah, like the way he was recapping what happened felt so unnatural in conversation to me. I don't feel like it was entirely necessary. I, I feel, agree. I feel like we already knew he had a history with Rafi. We already knew that he had tried to convince the Federation to maintain the evacuation of the Romulans in the face of the destruction of Mars, we already knew that the Federation had declined. And we already knew that that was the impetus for his split from Starfleet. I don't think we needed to have it laid out so much. Um, one of the things that I've really been enjoying is there's a lot of showing, not telling in this mm -hmm. show. And that scene felt like telling. Absolutely. Uh, if they were going to look in the past, I would have loved to see something that explains the closeness that Rafi and yeah. Picard have. Because she calls him JL. No one's done that before. Yeah, they're don't obviously know. close. Yeah. And the only thing we got out of this is a possible explanation, a likely explanation of why she's so bitter towards him. She assumes she's getting fired uh, after he resigns. And, and we don't know if that is the case. We know she lost her security clearance. So yeah. even if she didn't get fired from Starfleet, there were definitely consequences. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's the worst scene in all of Star Trek because I've seen a lot of Star Trek. No, yeah, um, I mean, it's not like, um, <laughs> it's not like Beverly Crusher having sex oh. with a ghost. Oh, ooh, so, <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, there are definitely worse scenes in Star Trek. I don't think it's that bad, but the show is in three episodes. It's had such a high standard that one scene that's sort of very, here's what happened 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. a little ham fisted. Um, yeah. Uh, it also showed us that Rafi is something that a lot of people have hypothesized, uh, but Rafi feels this way too, that somehow, uh, or no, 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 excuse me. This is something that I brought up in the past uh, where somehow maybe the Romulans were involved in 
yeah. the events uh, of stop not or stopping Starfleet's help with Romulans, which is a little weird. But she has the same hypothesis, and that in turn turns around to how he gets her to help him right. in fourteen years. And I I think the fact that the show has brought it up a couple of times now says that maybe there is some weight to that. Maybe there is some credence to the idea that there was a sub-faction in the Romulans that was working against the the rescue mission. Why? Who knows? But as Rafi points out, you know, this is what happens when something goes, goes wrong. There's a cover-up. And, yeah. you know, where did that cover-up come? What's it covering? Yeah. So, uh, hopefully we'll find only, out. The difficult thing here is that in real life, not in fictional, yeah. conspiracy theories always, or if, if there's any truth to them, they unravel because someone can't keep their mouth shut. Right. Thankfully, they have fiction where <laughs> that actually happens, so it kind of breaks it for me a little bit. But hey, uh, we'll find out. But uh, there's also, you know, the Rom. The, I think the the idea that the Romulans are involved and the Romulans are very good at secret keeping. This is true. This is true. I mean, we find out in this episode that uh, traditional Romulan houses have false front doors. Something I love. I loved it. <laughs> I I came out of this episode being so excited about learning some about Romulan culture and Romulan folklore and tradition, which is yeah. something we really don't see much in any of the shows. You get to see them as very militaristic, and you get to find out that the mili- the military sort of group of Romulus isn't the only group. There are people who do other things on Romulus, um, but the military are very much who run the show. And you don't really hear much about anyone who's not military beyond no, the like unificationists and everything like that. But even then, there's a military tinge to it. And you're sort of given the idea that that's, that's Romulus. That's how it, it exists. Yeah, they're, they're breaking away from this concept that this, all these planets have one culture. Yeah, one that life. they're monoculture. Yeah, like, like even in Enterprise, they explored that with Klingons a bit in the movies, too. They're like, yeah. uh, where one of the Klingons says something like, it's not all a bunch of warriors. We have lawyers and yeah. <laughs> scientists and engineers, too. <laughs> and just defin- definitely in Enterprise, faction. yeah. Because in Enterprise, you meet a lawyer who tries and fails to defend Archer. Um, you also meet a doctor in one of the season four episodes. You meet a doctor who broke away from his family being all warriors. You know, he's still in the military, but he's serving the empire as a doctor, not as a warrior. I like the idea that we're learning more about the Romulans. I like that the Romulans have this, whole cultural aspect to them that we aren't really privy to. One of the things that I was pointing out to a friend of mine was in Romulan culture, according to Ramda, whom we meet, the former Borg, um, it's not mythology, it's the news, which I thought was so good. It's so telling of Romulan culture that the news is... Soji takes that as meaning that mythology is as relevant as today's news. But I took it differently, which was you can believe the news as much as you can believe a myth on Romulus. That it's just as likely to be fiction. I'm so glad that you 
pulled that out of it because I I knew there was more to it. And I couldn't put the words, and that's perfect. I am hugely into folklore. I am a storyteller by you know trade mostly. I'm a librarian, and I love folklore. I love folk tradition. I love looking at the mythology of a society and what it tells you about the society that it came out of. And to say that mythology is news is just such a wonderful bit of writing. So telling. And I love that she's saying that while working with what appears to be like a deck of Romulan tarot cards. Yeah. And Uh, that's awesome. That's so interesting. uh, I want to come back to that scene because there was some very cool moments that tied into that and the interrogation at the chateau so well cut uh, but uh back to raffi yeah let's, uh, let's keep talking about one her. one moment that or something i loved once we j- jump back to the quote-unquote present day right is that uh we have a, the camera pans and it's vasquez rocks and for the first time in star trek history where they've shown these rocks a billion times they actually named it we're actually I, at vasquez rocks i was so excited <laughs> that they actually said that it were at vasquez rocks i was like oh look they get to be themselves <laughs> and i uh a few years ago when i was out in california went to go visit vasquez rocks i'm like i've been in that parking lot where the house is <laughs> i was even looking for tire prints but they do a pretty good job of Robbie cutting those out. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I love um, that. It's about time. Yeah. Uh, you know, but people online were talking about it. I didn't really think of it. I think, okay, so Rafi was cutting down Picard saying, you're in your chateau, giving this beautiful chateau with your oak and all this and nice furniture. Right. And and she calls her, pl- she says, I'm basically in a hovel. Yeah. And and some people online were criticizing that. I was like, how does she live poor when there's no money? And I, I don't think she was, I think she was saying compared to the ship, so it's a hovel. Here, she's just a one-room apartment, you know, like a single, a camper that yeah. she lives in. I didn't think of it as anything uh, too outlandish, especially like, where are you going to live? I think she's got a great prime location because apparently Vasquez Rocks is nothing in the future. Yeah, apparently so. There's There's nothing out there. There's the cultural you know, importance. Sets. <laughs> um, I think it's it's very much a case of um, showing that even though money doesn't exist, privilege does. Yes, that's... And there's a cultural privilege to Picard being an admiral and being able to... You know, it's said in the first couple of episodes, you're not supposed to be able to track him. It takes a security clearance to track where he is. He's not Starfleet anymore, and yet he's still protected. He's still cushioned in a lot of ways. So no, there's not money, but there is privilege. There is the idea that not everyone can have that level of protection. And yeah, he even has a security grid uh, uh, on his yes, house. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, it's disabled by the Tal Shiar, but it's, it exists but then money does exist because when he's hiring Rios and Agnes is like, I don't know what this guy costs, but I'll earn my keep. And he says, Oh, I cost a lot. So there is money involved, just not necessarily in the official Federation. That doesn't mean you can't still beat someone down by not giving them the opportunity to live where they want to live or get a hold of the things that they want to get a hold of. There are all sorts of ways to enforce poverty and enforce a lack of privilege to people that 
you don't need to keep appeased. Picard, you have to keep appeased because he's a big name figure. <laughs> and he Rafi, has her secrets. Yeah. And Rafi, you really don't. She was a conspiracy theorist who got like her security clearance revoked. Do you need to keep her appeased? No. Everyone's going to think that she's a crackpot who, you know, is paranoid because she's on drugs. Yeah. Uh, you don't make things available to her. You keep her on the outs. I love when Star Trek explores itself as mm-hmm. well. Like for for all of Roddenberry's uh, run, yeah. Utopia or Star Trek was a, or like Earth was a utopia, and Deep Space Nine they started breaking it down. Enterprise they definitely showed it was not a utopia yet. Yeah, and here they're like humans are still humans. Uh, well, you know we've got it pretty good, but we're still humans. Yeah, there's still bad things out there. There are still people who are not as well off as other people. And I think that's important to acknowledge that, yeah, you know, you don't have to pay to go out and eat, but still someone's got to cook the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great moment where, uh, um, oh gosh, I said, we, now I remember all their names. Now I can't off the top of my head, <laughs> but uh, uh, at the Chateau, they're gathering food before Picard leaves. Mm, Laris and Javon. Yeah, Javon, he has, he makes this comment about how some of the food, like, let's see a replicator. Yeah, uh, that's right. This. He went I'm and like, got some very, very fancy French groceries, which Picard has with him when he yeah. gets up to Rios's ship, which I loved. He's what got a, a baguette. <laughs> so good. Uh, well, I mean, that's another thing about the future. Um, Ken's brought before, and I'm like, where, why would people do this? Like, well... There's something to be said. Uh, Picard even mentions it in the, like, the episode where they find the people from the 90s uh, mm. or 2000s or whatever it was, where he's like, people now just live to be their best selves. Right. Like, there's something to be said about trying to be an artisan in a craft without yeah. a need need to uh, make money from it. Some people like, some people do like uh, serving people at a restaurant. Some people do like cooking. Right. Uh, to them, that gives them pleasure. So like, there's no- fine. Yeah, there's like no reason why uh, Cisco's would have any hired help, right? At the the um, in Deep Space Nine, and I think um, this is something that gets talked about right now in our own current day economy is the gig economy and monetizing mm-hmm. everything you do, and that it's important to have something that isn't monetized. And there are a couple of people I follow online; they are very online personalities. They are content creators, they are Twitch streamers, and a couple of them have been very vocal about how, no, tonight I'm doing a thing and I'm not talking about it because it's for me and I need something that is private. I need something that isn't monetized and I need something that not only isn't monetized, but that no one's going to pressure me to monetize because they don't know I do it. Yeah, it's... that's important. That. It's important to have something that you do just because you love doing it, not because you're getting, you know, money out of it. And while that sounds kind of privileged, even someone who needs the money, I think you need to have some part of yourself that isn't for consumption. And, and I think yeah. in a in an economy where money isn't necessary, you're going to do the things you love because you love them. And if that means someone else gets to partake of it, awesome. But people are still going to make things. People are still going to do those things, even if you can get a computer to replicate it. 
yeah, it feels like at this point you have your basic needs met. You, you yeah. get basically feels like you're probably guaranteed a house, a replicator, and a place to st- and that's about it. And then from there, what you do, cool. Yeah, I I uh, I love the picture of Earth as it is at this point in time. Not because I think it's perfect, but because I think it is a more realistic look at things than we're given. And I love Next Generation. I love it so much. It is definitely the Star Trek of my heart. But we don't see much of Earth in Next Generation. We see the ship and we see what the Federation is like off of Earth. Whereas we we don't see much going on on Earth, so we don't really get to see what day-to-day life is like for someone who's not in Starfleet. I know that was an intentional yeah, thing decision made to not to go to Earth as little as possible for the show, which makes uh, sense given what the show was doing. Yeah, worst part they're about exploring new worlds, not the ones we've been to. Exactly, but I do like that this show is saying, yeah, that whole time that Picard was out in space, life was going on on Earth. There were people here; they're living their lives, they're doing their thing. Um, and I like the idea that, as I said last week, that. The Federation has gotten big. It moves slow. It's gotten mired down a bit, which any large bureaucracy would. And I like that we're getting to see that because I don't want to sort of think the worst of the Federation because there is an idealism to it. But Mm -hmm. there is Mm -hmm. a realism to knowing that big organizations like that, there's, there's a... There's always the risk of corruption. All, people are going to be corruptible. Yeah. They're people, no matter what. I, I remember in, uh, gosh, oh, I'm pretty sure it was this one. Um, there was a game I played years ago. It was a offshoot of Starfleet Command called Klingon Academy. Ooh. Where you got to uh, run a Klingon ship through a Klingon campaign in like, the movie era. We even had Chancellor... Um, no, no, uh, oh gosh, what's his butt from Star Trek Six? Gorkon? No, uh, the, the guy who's like, uh, have you ever read Shakespeare in, in Shakespeare and Klingon? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, or he's the host of the game in video, and he talks about how, uh, if you attack, we can weaken the Federation by if you attack one planet or mm-hmm. sector, they'll demand resources for defense and pulling away Federation defenses. Resources from somewhere else. Then you can attack a different place, and they'll demand Federation resources. And you attack all these other ports, places where the Federation is forced to defend themselves because their planets are are, defo- are demanding it. And that's how you can weaken them, right? And or get in work uh, for important battles because you've weakened them elsewhere. And this is basically that. Like, the Federation is so big; it's a cool. It's the United Nations. It's the United Federation of Planets. But all these planets want a piece as well want their piece and that gets hard to manage when you're a huge huge federation yeah it's just it's supposed to it moves at a glacial pace you sort of get the idea that there there's no way for each branch to be watching each other and it does not move fast so someone within it moving very quickly can slip through cracks like Narissa has, I think that's Narissa and Narek, I think are our yeah. two Romulan agents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 
they're just they're they're moving faster than the federation is able to go at this point in time it's and who knows if the show will even explore that yeah i think it's fun talking about it i mean they've touched Uh, on it but they definitely i don't think they need to necessarily go too far into it because as i said the show is doing a good job showing not telling so showing us a little bit of that tells us what we need to know about it and then we get to talk about it yeah which i love (laughs) (laughs) let's talk more about romulans Yes, um, please. Laris and Zaban are some of my favorite characters. Of them, like, like it brought up the scene where he's where Zaban's getting food together. But here, uh, during the attack of the Romulan agents, oh. um, we should we see their Tal Shiar roots uh, going into full action. Oh yeah, and they're just beating the crap out of people. <laughs> they have guns everywhere in the chateau, hidden away. It's so I- good. <laughs> it made me really happy. So I watching it the second time. Because I was like, oh, yeah, they have all these guns. And I realized they really only have two in the chateau. Because Picard grabs one and Laris grabs one. Every other gun, I think, is something that they've disarmed off of the top. Oh, you're shot. right. They were. They were. Which is every amazing. Time, <laughs> yeah, every time one of those Romulans went up in the air, it was because they stole one of their disruptors. It was like, oh, got your gun now. <laughs> now you're helpless. And absolutely amazing to watch. It was such a good good action scene and they're my favorite murder couple love them i uh, love them i love uh scottish uh laris she's amazing <laughs> so so she's my favorite i had seen episode one and one of my friends my my star trek buddy it took him two more days to see it oh. and i was like have you, have you watched picard yet please tell me you've watched picard yet he was like i haven't seen it okay <laughs> um, and I was like, there are Romul. I was like, how much do you want to know? Cause I'm not going to spoil you, but like, what do you want to know? And he was like, give me some non-spoilery thoughts. So I was like, well, Picard's really interesting. The Federation is real staid. And, um, there are Romulans living on earth and they're amazing. There's either a couple or a brother and sister I don't know yet and now we know they're they're a couple um though I had some comments about that last week um Mm -hmm. and I was like and they're amazing and I love them and I would protect them with my life but I don't think they need it (laughs) I I I don't think they need it (laughs) and he was like okay and now he's like I love them so much I love them more than any other couple in any piece of media I've ever watched oh so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so he's totally on board now, and I'm totally on board. They're amazing. They're a wonderful couple. I don't know if we will see them again. I'm just envisioning them with number one off having like undercover adventures. <laughs> number one's like they're Scooby Doo. Yeah, basically. And <laughs> they're like, let's just go on vacation with number one and like. Now they're having their own little adventures together as former spies with their dog sidekick. <laughs> I want that show. I want that show. Right that would be now. wonderful. Uh, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they, they start, well, they captured one of the Romulan agents who attacked. Yeah. And, uh, Zaban is ready to go back into his old ways. <laughs> And I love this. Laris is like, no, 
no, we don't do that. And then, do that uh, anymore. We, yeah, we aren't like them anymore. And she takes a little spray bottle and instead of slapping the around in the way, she sprays him in the face. She sprays <laughs> him like a naughty cat. It's so but, good. The scene is also great because uh, it establishes the different look for Romulans. Because mm. uh, she's because uh, when when Japan is ready to smack uh, the captive, right. she she uh, hits the captive in the forehead with her finger as well, and she's like uh, stubborn Northerners, like you, Japan <laughs> is as well. Yeah. yeah, and so and the one who is captive in the Japan have forehead ridges, I suppose, and she does not. And so we finally have a. We, we, I didn't really we think we needed an answer, but now we have a canon for it. Yeah, I love that this show is taking the opportunity to give us a, a really interesting, diverse cast of Romulans. Uh, yeah, we actually have a uh, a uh, uh, people of color. Yeah, Romulans of color. There's several, which uh, I love it. I love that it's so just matter of fact. It makes me really happy, and I love that. They're not all, you know, dark hair in a V. Yeah. Yep. Rhonda's <laughs> got this curly, you know, mid-brown, reddish blonde hair. And you see all sorts of different Romulans. I love it. I love that there's maybe it's implied that there's a sort of enforced look for soldiers. And that's not necessarily how all Romulans look. It's a dress code more than anything else. Yeah, it's not too unlike like, the traditional buzz cut seen in exactly. uh, many Earth militaries. Yeah. They, you will get a bow cut. Because you do see <laughs> it on a couple of the soldiers that are guarding the former Borg Romulans. Mm-hmm. They do have the V cut and the, yeah. the dark hair. But it's definitely not uniform it's not the only ones that you see so was, i i liked that um uh, i also like that room star. full of them the what a room full of disordered former borg that are yeah. all all romulans and the only assimilated romulans that they've been able to find yeah that was um interesting to find out because, because our introduction to the borg was that the borg had been sucking up romulan outposts yeah. So how is that? Like, do the Romulans have a natural predisposition to not take well to cybernetic implants? Oh, that's an interesting hypothesis. Because we know from Voyager that Borg don't assimilate everyone. They didn't assimilate right. the Kazon or didn't bother. So what happened? Because we also know from this episode that when they assimilated that one Romulan ship, there was a cascade failure in the cube. Yeah. Uh, what is it? A about- submatrix collapsed. Yeah. Is, I wrote that term down. And like, what happened? Does that mean that someone on there caused some major issue? Which also, uh, when I was rereading Hugh's entry on Memory Alpha, uh, I mean, that's what they were trying to do mm. with him, um, where... They sent Hugh back with individuality, and the Borg basically cut off that limb because right. he was infecting others with almost similar terminology. And I wonder if, and Hugh's back here, so I'm wondering if there's something similar that happened with that cube here. Right. I just find it really fascinating, this idea that there's a shadowy organization within the Tal Shiar, the... 
Jatvash. Jatvash. I keep wanting to say Vashta Narada like on Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the Jatvash having such an antipathy towards artificial intelligence, combined with the fact that all the Romulans that they've recovered so far are disordered in some way after being removed from the Borg, that something has gone horribly wrong for them. And was it horribly wrong for them even before they were recovered? Was there something about the Romulans that just does not go with cybernetic implants, artificial intelligence, a hive mentality? Is there just something about Romulans that it doesn't work? Or yeah, I wonder they, if they cause problems like that. I wonder if the Jatvash uh, caused this individual ship's uh, mm. story, or if after the Borg uh, assimilation things, or, or you know, this colony sucking up back in the day, uh, all or military Romulans or something like that were given something to make them less susceptible or less yeah. useful as drones. Oh, that would be really interesting. Yeah. I yeah, I just find that it the intersection of Romulan and artificial intelligence and Borg to be a really fascinating direction to be going in. Yeah, I, I definitely would not have guessed that from the no. information we were given on Picard before this. And I heard that multiple times. You're like, uh, when people find these did see episodes if like a pre-release, people people were like you think you know what this is going to be about, but you don't. Yeah, <laughs> um, I also found it very interesting. Um, speaking of artificial intelligences, Soji calling her mother. Yeah. And this was something that I've discussed. I think I, I believe I discussed it with Ken last week. Who is her mother? Is she just a program or is she a person who's in on this? I, yeah. It's not clear I, it's not clear at all. I I suspect that it's some kind of AI. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me that she was a program of some kind. Definitely, there is some subliminal programming in Soji to be distracted by the mother. Because the mother starts talking about Daj adopting a puppy, and Soji's like, dead asleep. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's gone. I mean, that's how I am with my mother on the phone, too. So. <laughs> I mean, she had flat out asked, yeah. how is Dodge? And yeah. her mother starts telling her about her twin sister. And then she is out like a light. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and acting as if her sister is alive. Right. So obviously, whatever the mother is, whether it's a person who's working with their creator, who we assume is Maddox, but what if it's not? We don't know yet. Um. You know, whatever the mother is, whether she's a person working with him or a program programmed by whoever made them, um, they've got something in there that is meant to be soothing, to get them off the trail. And it yeah. didn't work with Dodge because Dodge called her mother and was told, go find Picard. <laughs> and she was in a panic, but she was also activated as the Romulans said, 
Right, where um, Soji hasn't been yet, correct. apparently. She doesn't know, is at least as far as narek has been able to tell. She has not been activated. She doesn't know what she is. Um, uh, both during the interrogation of the agent on the chateau mm. and here, uh, Ramda, they both call Soji the destroyer. Yes. I'm just like, you, I know who you are. You are Seb Cheneb. You are the destroyer. And like, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't know what that means yet. Like, we. Yeah, we don't but, know exactly what the destruction is going to be. And the way Ramda kept saying, I remember you from tomorrow. I loved the uh, phrasing of that. It's so very folklore it's, it's so good it's like having visions or uh yeah a visions of the future i also thought one of the things that you see you see someone playing with what looks to be like a futuristic uh rubik's cube mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. there you see someone doing all these drawings of very spiral like um fractals almost yeah There's- and those pictures are all over the wall and there's definitely a six-pointed one, which immediately a six-pointed something makes me think of the crystalline entity, which I don't <laughs> necessarily think is coming in, but it immediately makes me think of like ice crystals and stuff, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. And I also like the, we have a lot of pairs in this show. Because we have, oh, I noticed that. We have right. Narek and Narissa. We have Laris and Shaban. We have Daj and Soji. And we have the Romulans. And the Romulans have Romulus and Remus. Mm-hmm. I, that is amazing catch. And I had caught all the pairs. But then my Star Trek buddy was like, wait a second. So there's Romulus and Remus. And then, so you've got two twin brothers right in like roman mythology but then you've got these two twin sisters and so you've got the founding brothers and the destructive sisters aha uh-huh. and i was like that's oh, clever man. brilliant <laughs> and and that they're not romulan yeah also interesting yeah what does that mean yet i don't know but that's interesting but there's a whole card in this Romulan tarot. I I know Soji like calls it by a name, and I cannot remember for the life of me. She says like a mandala. Well, she there she has like it, it begins with a P. She mentions it. Oh by yeah, name. it was. I, just I had I it. had the subtitles on. It was like pig Pixnix or yeah, spelled or not how she pronounced yeah. it. But um, she mentioned. I want a deck of those cards. They need to sell those. <laughs> yes, please. Did you see that they're selling a metal sign for the, uh, it has been blank days since uh, the <laughs> facility had an assimilation? No. They're selling a metal sign for that with a blank on awesome. one of the Star Trek stores. So, <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't need it, but I need it. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. I mean, it's, it's really hilarious. good. It made me laugh so hard. But Speaking yeah. Speaking of the that's the, um, the scene with that sign in it. I did not catch this, but someone on Reddit did. Where apparently two times in this episode, the end is the beginning. Uh, oh, hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> During that scene with the sign, 
it's uh the guy talking to everybody said if your little mm-hmm. badge lights up green yes. run yeah apparently that lit up twice in this episode i didn't catch it either time on both watches i only caught even it when once. i was looking for it and i wasn't i was actually going to ask if you had noticed it um it like i noticed it light up once specifically which is right after uh soji has been holding ramda's hand okay it blinks green and I thought to myself the first time I watched the episode, has it been blinking? Like, I can't remember what that guy mentioned. Is blinking green normal? And if it's like doing something else, it's bad. I couldn't remember off the top of my head and I didn't have time to go back. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch and see if I notice it blink green any other time. I didn't no- really notice it any other time, but I did notice it happen right as she lets go of Ramda's hand. It, it is glowing green. And I thought, oh, oh, that's uh-huh. bad. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely intentional. Here? Yeah. yeah. And, well, then I hope we get an answer for that soon. Yeah. Because <laughs> it... I had been wondering, did I just miss that it's sort of blinking on and off and I just haven't been noticing it? And no, it's not that I wasn't noticing it. It's that it's a very intentional thing. And that was one thing that I, I had mentioned. There's all, everything in this is intentional. I don't oh, yeah. think a single bit of set dressing or clothing. I don't think any of it is unintentional. Uh, I mean, as part of good storytelling is... Yeah. Uh, uh, or, or even, you know, Chekhov's gun. Yes. Chekhov's green thinger. Uh, <laughs> in the first episode, I pointed out the first, uh, during that episode where just before the Romulan agents beam into Dodge's apartment for the first time, the camera zooms in on the flower that's there. Mm. And, uh, they retract a bit. Yes. And then it cuts away. And I'm like, why would, uh, in an, almost in an unnatural way. And it's like, why would this happen? And maybe it was just something to get us, the viewer, to give us prepared some for something interest. that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, maybe that will have something well, it's, in the future. It's also, she mentions when she's talking about, no, I'm a real person with a real past, which she isn't. She doesn't have a, a real past. Her past has been fabricated. But when she's talking about what she remembers of her past, she mentions, I believe, unless I'm totally fabricating this in my mind, that her father breeds orchids. Yeah, and he named a flower after her. Yep. And I would imagine that that is that flower. So it did look very orchid-like to me. My mother mm-hmm. keeps orchids. So now, you know, you think back to that flower and then you think about that and you think, okay, so if the orchids are a real thing. Who actually bred them? What is that orchid? And what was it retracting supposed to tell her if she would been paying attention? Yeah. Uh, Beautiful little bit of of set dressing and cinematography. Absolutely. And maybe when we find Maddox, his whole, he'll have like a um, (laughs) a conservatory. Yeah. With that. Yeah. That would be Uh, amazing. uh, (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it would tie things together nicely. It Still, would. I don't know why it retracted, but hey. You know, maybe uh, she had been told, you know, be, if you see this pulling back, something's going on. 
and you had two seconds to respond. <laughs> and you know, she was she was busy with her boyfriend, her poor doomed boyfriend. Yeah. So oh, bad about him. Was... He seemed nice. Yeah, he was good for her. Uh the only other Romulan note I had. Oh wait, no, no, I have two more. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was very much a uh does that bash apparently mm. uh the acid spit they have is a suicide pill? Yes. Now we know that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, the first episode wouldn't happen. It looks like he just spit acid. It looked like he spit acid and that it was meant not even necessarily just as acid, but it like it caused a, a failure in Dodge, definitely. So yeah. you weren't it wasn't made entirely clear. But yeah, sure sure took care of him. Uh, my other note was my one of my two all caps notes for this episode. <laughs> Uh, WTF romantic Romulan siblings. I know the Hansy twins. <laughs> I, not that I actually, I don't think they're actually twins, but it was my immediate thought on them was, wow, y'all, y'all are really close. I don't, mm, uncomfortable. uncomfortable. I have no siblings and that mm-hmm. idea still squicked me up. <laughs> I, I have a younger brother and that's a hard no. I, like, uh, Game of Thrones action going on here. Yeah. That's mm-mm, no, nope, nope, nope. Don't like, and like don't like her. <laughs> all the, I think they've been, I mean, I'm assuming they're blood siblings. It is implied that they are blood siblings. Um, I mean, they could be siblings in the sense of like cons uh, augments, but I don't think so. I don't think so. They're, I mean, they refer to each other as brother and sister in a way that you don't really see another conversations yeah between romulans <laughs> uh yeah it's They're weird and honestly real close other than the fact that um she was all uh, his sister nevik's sister was all of a sudden on the ship the scene didn't really do much for me it just repeated what we've already known like your failed plan sister or and she's like, don't fall in love with Soji after he, he just told her, I think I'm falling in love with you. I So I don't know what – I think the point of this scene was to have us continue questioning Narek's motives and um, how truthful he's being at any given point. Because – Like a Romulan. Yeah, like a Romulan. <laughs> I really found – the conversation not interesting for itself as for pointing out that now she's there because she didn't seem to be a hologram this time no um and her ears are back as he points out and she was wearing a like super tight spacesuit yes she was it looked so <laughs> i like i said i've been catching up on discovery and i was like wow is she section 31 <laughs> what's with all the black leather so uh, i mean that's that's how you know it's a super secret that's how organization you know she's section right? Bosh. yeah uh-huh. i'm sure the klingon super secret intelligence also has black leather they, they were skin tight black leather on a klingon <laughs> god what a thought that's how you know someone's evil <laughs> skin tight black leather except if yep. it's an enterprise it's pleather yes. because you know <laughs> you, you can't have the production values be all that high I mean, can you imagine, like, on the set, all you hear is... Oh, God, that's... Oh, oh. And then it starts flaking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... Section section 31 could never sneak around, because all you hear is... You don't hear leather on leather. It's... (laughs) 
Do you think they have anyone like Henry Cable wearing out their leathers because they're just too muscular? <laughs> if, if anyone doesn't know, that's a Witcher reference. Yeah. Uh, our, our, the star of the show was too muscular for his outfit. Yes. Uh. <laughs> he, was, he, he, he wore out his leather because his muscles were too big. Oh, man. So it rubbed against. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I saw her and I was like, oh, yeah, you're real subtle. You're right? <laughs> Least right. subtle Romulan in the entire <laughs> Romulan star empire. <laughs> uh, I want to I wanna get going because we're, we're approaching yeah, an we hour are. here. Uh, um, there's a very quick scene where Commodore O approaches Dr. Um, Gerardi. Yeah. Um, uh, and we don't see it, but she she questions Gerardi off camera. Mm-hmm. We get the cool Romulan in a sunglasses uh, look, which is amazing. It's real good. It's very and then, good. And which I find amusing because Vulcans, having just watched a bit of Enterprise that took place on Vulcan, and, you know, Paul is like, we evolved on this planet. We can handle the sunlight and the heat and everything. So why is she wearing sunglasses? Is it just to look cool? Or is she <laughs> actually Vulcan? Maybe... Uh, well, actually, that's a good hypothesis. That second one, I didn't think of that. Maybe I, my thought was uh, she maybe she like to Paul, who's been around the humans too much. Mm. Maybe maybe uh, oh had also been around humans too much. But, yeah, she's um, adopted. Some I like of their the, their stuff, but yeah, I like the idea that you just hypothesized that she's not Vulcan because which has already been a maybe she's yeah. not because even though there's a shared history for Vulcans and Romulans, the Romulans have diverged a significant amount and their planet mm-hmm. definitely is not Vulcan. Um, it's, it's definitely far more temperate. It's definitely far, far wetter and cooler and not as bright. And so maybe they've lost that ability to like, just um, hanging out in, in the sunlight, you know, they just can't do it. Um, my husband makes a point that, we know something about the mirror universe as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That uh, bright lights not okay. Yeah, yeah from- we don't know if that's humans or everyone. What? But what if she's from but- the mirror universe? <laughs> Get the mirror universe in here again. See, I would be happy, but I know many people. Would a lot not. of people would be really unhappy <laughs> about that. Be like you, me, a couple other people being like, yeah, mirror universe. Uh, to. Uh, go further. Does this mean that Gerardi has been compromised? Mm. I mean, uh, it, Gerardi shows up on the chateau, shooting the last of the Romulan agents and yeah. being very shook about it. Uh, and then Rafi is like, "You're bringing her with us? You didn't have me do a security check? Yeah, not even a basic background check." So, like, <laughs> is that a red herring or not? Yeah, we don't know, but hypothesis yeah um, who knows what happened off screen there and so our our new character that was introduced here we have uh rios yes we do rios is the pilot of the ship that uh is going to be taking our able-bodied crew across the galaxy yeah uh hey. the former starfleet officer who uh of the i, I looked it up of the Ib, uh, ibn majid which is a ship named after an arabian navigator and cartographer oh so good and Apparently, this ship is uh, been wiped off, off Starfleet's yeah, records. Just doesn't exist anymore. Just uh, never yeah. existed. You know, like uh, you do. Yeah. So, and it was ten years ago or so because Rios is like uh, 
I don't want to work for another great captain because the last one I worked for had his brain splattered great across the bulkhead. Graphic. Like, ooh. <laughs> I was uh, so. I I like that we know so much about who this guy is at his core really fast, um, both because of what he's reading, the tragic sense of life. Life, yeah. Um, which my husband found is free online. You can find it. Oh, yeah, you can you can read it. It's by a Basque philosopher, which is Miguel really- de Unamino. Yes, and it's fascinating. He's been reading it, so he says uh, it. It talks about, and this is really interesting, given Romulans and Vulcans, and why the Romulans split from Vulcans. It talks about how philosophy that doesn't take emotion into consideration is inherently flawed. Interesting. So given that the Romulans split from Vulcans because Vulcans were suppressing their emotions and Romulans were attempting to find a different way of channeling them, because we know that as a core species, they have very strong emotions and that it was very dangerous and that it almost caused the destruction of their whole people. I find that really interesting, especially knowing, and this is something that I, I was going to say earlier and lost track of, um, that Vulcan spirituality is very much looked at in a lot of the shows as it's very old and we do it because it's tradition. Whereas it's shown in this show that Romulan spirituality is just very present and current you don't do it because it's old tradition you do it because it's part of our culture now which is a really interesting dichotomy no that's um that is because the the vulcan's more like buddhist feeling Mm -hmm. and romans are here in the now uh i mean almost i would say like kind of like very western culture kind of is at least in america yeah, so I find that fascinating. I think definitely the book is a very intentional inclusion. But I also like Rios because Rios apparently has a whole bunch of holograms of himself <laughs> with different and accents and clothing. Yes. <laughs> I like the the his uh his ECH. Yeah. Uh, is is uh which we now apparently is a real thing now. Uh was British. It's so good. And his emergency navigational hologram was uh, Irish. Yes. And also, like, very invested in Rios working for Picard. Yeah, I love his navigation ones, talking about how so great Picard is, and, like, the, the speaker to Q, the uh, protector against the Borg, and all So good, and, like, you know, representative to the, the Klingons and so on. And he's so excited about it, he's peeking up over the cover of Rios's book, and so good, but it's him. It's all the same guy. Uh-huh. Imagine like having holograms of yourself to help you. Who does that? I, mean, I don't know if I could do that. Who does okay, well, that? Who makes uh, the, all of their emergency holograms themselves? That maybe? tells you so much about him. It's like, yeah, oh. he just, he wants to be around people so little, others, that he surrounds himself by himself. Yeah. Like, it's, he, yeah, I find it interesting, but he can't be himself himself. He has mm-hmm. to be other versions of himself. Yeah, happy-go-lucky one. 
Yeah, uh, more business-like and detached yeah. one. Yeah. Well, he drinks his life away. I saw his tequila bottle. Yeah. Like, that thing, a huge amount was taken out when he had just filled it a little bit ago. And splashing it on his wound, he keeps the wound? Yeah, he 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 wants to feel again. He wants to feel again. I've yeah. been to that. I've been there. I never like, hurt myself, but I've known that feeling of like doing anything. But I think he also wants the proof that he felt. Yeah. Because yeah. when the hologram's like, okay, it's time for the dermal regeneration, he's like, no, you leave that scar. Uh huh. I want it so there. Like- so there's a very intentional, like, I want to know what I've been through and I want there to be physical proof of what I've been through. And maybe there's a a reflection there to him having that experience with his captain that there's, like you said, a brokenness to him, but you can't see that brokenness. Whereas a physical scar, you can see. You know it. So yeah, he's a fascinating character. I can't wait to see more of him. I can't wait to see more of Rafi. She's Uh awesome so far. I love her also. Uh, Agnes, little crush (laughs) on Rafi, maybe? Tiny little crush? Who is this lady? Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Agnes. Oh, look at you. No, I get Uh, it. I'm all for more queer representation in Star Trek. (laughs) I would totally be on board for Agnes 100% crushing on Rafi because I, I understand uh, up until Discovery, we've gotten so little. Yeah, there's been almost uh, nothing. Yeah, or even in First Contact, one of the characters, Hawk, oh, on the bridge who Hawk. dies, was uh, was He's, canonically queer. Yeah, in a relationship that never shows up on screen, that you know yep. nothing about outside of like the novels. Yep. Uh, oh, God, it was a doctor, if I recall correctly. Not not that I'm bitter or anything. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I, I felt bad that he got such a, such a short straw there. Poor guy. Uh, speaking of Gerardi, uh, yeah, and and this episode, and the end of the episode here, there's a scene where we, we get it, we get the part where Picard oh. says his thing, and I love this. Like she's all like, ee! and Rafi's like eye rolling. Yeah. So I was saying, you know, he he's you wait for him, you wait for him to say it. He's gonna say it. The music is he's coming. The music is coming. It's happening. The music swells. He says engage, and Rafi's like, yeah, I'm done with this. <laughs> Come on. And yeah, it was just such a perfect balance of nostalgia and being aware that you can't stay mired in nostalgia. Yeah. Nostalgia is only going to take you so far. The show is totally aware of itself. In a really good way. I think there is sometimes shows can be too aware of themselves to the point where it gets kind of insufferable. (laughs) <laughs> like, 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 um, first contact. Yeah. You must be on some kind of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like, yes, yes, we get it. <laughs> uh, and then the the music swells. The TNG music is playing. It cuts away to the ship, and we hear the same sound as the Enterprise D warping yeah. away. Also, can I just take a moment to talk about the controls on Rios's ship? Yeah, real nice. Do real those holographic controls that he's controlling with his hands in the uh-huh, air uh-huh. Ah, there's just something really nice about that that made me very happy you know <laughs> like this is great i didn't think about it until now that actually makes something 
of Deep Space Nine come true. Ooh. There was the episode where we had the future, future Jedzia, future Bashir, uh, are on the Defiant, mm-hmm. the, the present, quote unquote, Defiant, and they're like, "Oh, it's so weird being on these control panels without the holographic <laughs> buttons." That's really good. I hadn't thought about that before, and now, yeah, so they made that real. Because I just, I just hit the point in Discovery where Pike is talking to his number one about how they've realized that the holographic interface uh, comm system is what caused the problems on the Enterprise. And he's like, uh-huh. great, I never liked it anyway, rip it all out, which explains why the <laughs> Enterprise doesn't have it, even though Discovery does. Yes. I really like when they look at their other shows and go, okay, what have we implied is going to happen? What have we stated? And what plot holes have we created for ourselves? How can we get around those? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it shows a level of detail of caring. Yes. So much when they do it. And sure, they'll mess up on some reference to the third planet yeah. of the third sun that was brought up once in the, or, you know, like it, made up. But it's going to happen. When they do stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. It shows that someone was paying attention and loves it enough to go and check and like make sure that they've got little touches in there to make people like us be like, oh, look, they did the thing. (laughs) They did the thing. (laughs) (laughs) He said engage. (laughs) (laughs) So I have one more note. Okay. Uh, They're going to a place called Free Cloud. Yes. Uh, To me... Uh, that reminded me of Star Trek Five. Ooh, uh, Nimb- the planet Nimbus, Free Cloud, uh, Nimbus, which is yeah. a cloud type, a uh, three for Star Trek Five. Basically, the most Eisley of Star Trek, which would make sense. Though I have to say that Free Cloud and the like little dice throwing thing and the graphic when Rafi finds it, I was uh, like, this is the most '90s hacker thing ever. <laughs> yes. Like I have to uh, go watch it. hackers right now because of this. Oh, I think I could I could do that totally. Yeah, uh, oh, I love that movie. It's real. Oh, I love that movie. Hack the planet. Uh, <laughs> which um, is actually a Star Trek connection because uh, um, why am I drawing a blank on her name? To Paul. Yeah. Um, actress. Why? Uh, Jolene Blaylock. Jolene Blaylock. Um, modeled some of her to Paul off of um, the character in Hackers. Oh my god! Uh, by a- uh, Angelina Jolie. Acid burn? Uh-huh. I can see it 100%. See? Star Trek connection. Oh no, that explains why she stands the way she stands. Mm-hmm. Oh god. I'm never going <sighs> to be able to unsee it. I have to share that. <laughs> <laughs> and so there you go. Now you have a Star Trek connection. brought it full circle. Oh, uh, I love hackers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still say hack the planet. I, uh, it is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those are my notes and my thoughts. And we recapped I think, most of the show other than the, the one huge, oh, the other all caps thing I had was everyone in this new crew is broken. Everyone is broken. Except for Gerardi, but maybe she is too. I, we just don't know. Well, I feel like there is a brokenness to her oh, yeah. as well because all of her research got shut down. Yeah, she would be then. Here she is with this, like, you know, she mentions at one point, she's like, yeah, well, I had to get away from my lab, you know, like, here she is the foremost expert on a topic no one is allowed to study. 
So yeah, she does fit. God, I mean, that's so sad. That's so, there's a tragedy to that. Yeah, um, 15 years of the pretending you don't have a job yeah, anymore. Of just sort of being like, okay, well, it's all theoretical. Good for us. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it, just imagine that your whole life's work just gone because of something happening that you're not even allowed to look into. Yeah. Imagine oh, how galling that would be for someone like her who's obviously fascinated by it. You know, this was she's the expert. Obviously, she's got a passion for it. Um, you know, and then Maddox disappears. The whole, you know, all their AIs go rogue. Any that didn't go rogue, they take apart and research is halted. Done. End of story. So, yeah, she's definitely got a brokenness to her based in that. Um, you've got Picard, who, you know, he's been nursing his wounded pride, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, if he used to, does too much space travel, yeah. Uh, now he's got a cost to this whole mission as well. He's he's got. I saw someone mention it online that it was the space consumption. You've got the <laughs> space consumption. Oh no, the space consumption. Oh, that is that is too you accurate. Can't go back into space. I'm gonna go back into space. <laughs> but the space consumption. Yeah. So yeah, there's a medical cost oh. to to him going back out there, but he's he's deemed it necessary. There's one more character I didn't forget to bring up. I mentioned him. We have Hughes back. Hughes back. I knew that Jonathan Del Arco had been cast. I knew he was involved. It was really exciting to see him and see him doing well. All things considered. Yeah, and he had the same Hugh affectations. Yeah. The walking around the way he did and some of the speech patterns, like, wow. The way he holds his head was very mm-hmm. familiar. I was like, oh, oh, look, look, he's doing it. I really <laughs> like that he's in charge of the reclamation project. Yeah. I thought that was really important for him. I also thought it was very important for him to be talking about not just um, we're reclaiming our, our, our people, but also that they are reviled by many Mm -hmm. and that they are um, seen in very limited ways by everyone other than the Romulans, which, but then the Romulans kind of also have a very self-serving view of them as well. Oh, the the Romulans always have a hidden agenda, which of course they do because they're Romulans Uh and that's how they've always been in Star Trek. Now this is also interesting because the Borg are cybernetic. Yeah. And yet, cybernetics is seen as a bad thing. Right. And so what is going on here? But it's the former Borg. It's the reclaimed Borg who have been stripped of their cybernetics mm-hmm. that are who the Romulans seem to see as interesting. Yeah, the XBs, yeah. as he calls themselves. The XBs, the nameless. Really interesting stuff going on here. There's a very, I don't know, the, the idea of the nameless is a name which was said uh, in, I forget, episode two, it must have been. It must have been last week's. Mm -hmm. And that is such a thing out of a folktale, right? That that Mm -hmm. seems like it's straight out of a myth. And there is a power in names. If you talk about uh, European folklore and the fae, and the fae all have pointy ears, and... You don't want to tell them your true name. 
and here's a whole group of people who are nameless. There is so much I I could say. If I was going to write a paper on this from a, a folklore point of view, I I could I could write just chapters. <laughs> from it. Um, I love that. I love that Hugh is back. I love that he's overseeing things, and I love that when Ramda goes a little rogue and grabs a weapon and is holding it on Soji and holding it on herself that his reaction is, no, she's fine. You shouldn't have let her get a weapon. Yeah, and that means he is at a position where he outranks a lot of the Romulans. And he's giving orders. Yeah, so fascinating. Yeah. I can't wait to find out more about that. I'm I, I'm so excited about what this show is doing. I think it's doing things that I hadn't really ever expected to see in Star Trek, and I'm I can't wait. I can't wait for more. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. As we say in these days. Yes. <laughs> All right. Is there anything you want to add before we go? No, we talked about the Romulan tarot. We talked about the Hansi twins. We talked about <laughs> about the holographs. We talked about uh, the murder couple. I, I think I, I've, I've hit most of my points. <laughs> Me too. Oh, oh, there was a reference to a Gorn egg. Yes, I saw that. That's the encryption wow, at code. Rocks. It's so good. Yes. I was like, oh, oh Gorn egg. <laughs> perfect i love this is where they fought yes i love all the little little touches it's definitely a Mm -hmm. show that knows that its audience is going to be people who love star trek Mm -hmm. and this is something i mentioned with ken last week was where discovery was sort of going okay we can bring in new viewers maybe picard is like people watching this are going to be people who watch next generation people watching this are going to be people who watched original series we're our audience is Star Trek fans. Mm-hmm. We're going to make a show for Star Trek fans. And I'm 100% okay with that. You and me both. Yes. All right. Well, then, that is going to wrap it up for this week's uh, uh, tra- what show is this? A Transporter Lock. <laughs> and uh, until next time. Yeah. Oh, first, I want to say thank you so much for joining me, Amanda. I can't believe I almost forgot thank that. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Anytime. Excellent, excellent. I'll keep that in mind. So until next time, thank you for listening, viewer, or listener, (laughs) and hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes, and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock, or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. 